1: Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of the Arsenal News Show. join you every morning at 8am UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Thank you, as always, for making this a part of your morning routines. It is very much appreciated. Do drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you are indeed new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. Let's jump into the chat box. Good morning to Stephen, Damien, Nate. We've got Olu, Sweating Merlot, Steve. Stephen, Martin, Stevie, Paul, Granddaddy Guna, uh, we've got Jake, uh, we've got Amira, Steve, Kaiser, Pennyween, Blackshine, Raz, NSW, Johnny, and MJ10, Paul, Colton, Runs with Cows, Matt G, Vivian, Gary, and plenty more of you guys as well. Thank you so much as always for tuning in. Very much appreciate. Uh your help and uh, your presence in these shows as well. We're going to get straight on with things today and kick on with our first story, which of course is a look back at yesterday's relegation battles in what has been A very exciting period, I think, at the bottom end of the table. Some really big games involved uh, in the fixture, of course. We had, first of all, uh, not well, we had uh, Leicester and uh, Fulham playing out an eight goal thriller in which Fulham ran out five three winners. It wasn't a good day for defences, it's probably fair to say. Um, But Fulham damaging again Leicester's hopes of staying in the Premier League. They remain on 30 points, rooted to the 18th place in the table having played 35 games. What's good about these games is that now everyone down the bottom end of the table has all played 35 matches, making it a lot easier to kind of work out where things are. And uh, Nottingham Forest got a massive, massive victory. Uh, It was hard fought, uh, a 4-3-7 goal thriller in their game, uh, which saw them climb out of the relegation zone and into 16th place on the day ending the day on 33 points, three points clear of those uh, Leicester and Leeds. What I would say is, however, they still do have that significantly poorer goal difference compared to Leicester and Leeds. So they still are nowhere near out of trouble at this moment in time. Southampton, however, look down at this stage. Uh, It's going to take a hell of a lot. They're going to need... Everton are not Everton to to lose their last three games. Southampton are going to have to win their last three games and hope that neither of Leicester City or Leeds win any of their last three games. That's the problem that Southampton have. Very very poor season from them. And lastly, Brighton getting humbled by Everton 5-1. We went from an eight-goal thriller to a seven-goal thriller to a now a six-goal thriller. Brighton hopes of European football took a knock and Everton's hopes of survival took a massive, massive boost. Not only did they get the win that saw them climb to 17th place, 16th on the day until Forest won, um, but 32 points now, 21 Minus 21 goal difference that is that helped them somewhat. It got them six goals. Well, there's six goals within Leicester City now, but it seems to be a gap that will be considerable still come the end of the season. Goal difference, I think, is what might end up saving a team like Leicester if they're able to get a result. We'll have to wait and see. It's going to go to the last day, I think. It's going to be very, very exciting indeed. Moving forwards, uh, I spoke to Jorginho uh, after the game against Newcastle at St James's Park, and I managed to record it so I can play it to you guys. So sit back, relax, listen. Here's what I had to say with Jorginho after the game on Sunday. When you obviously came in a few months ago, Thomas Partey was the starter, and now that's two successive Premier League starts. Did you foresee yourself getting into the Arsenal team and starting ahead of Thomas in this side so quickly? I think we. We are two different players that can adapt for the coach in different games. So I think the coach has two two good choices depending on what games and what type of players he wants on the pitch. And uh, the only thing we can do is be ready when he needs us and give our best to help the team. Thank Thank you, thank you. you. Appreciate that, mate. Jorginho you know, speaking uh, about his place in the team, considering that he's now started over Thomas Partey in Arsenal's last two Premier League matches. And it would take a brave person, I think, to say that he should be dropped for the next game after being uh, arguably one of the man of the matches or uh, well, men of the match, uh, I suppose is the right terminology, against Newcastle, along with uh, his fellow midfielders, Xhaka and Odegaard. The midfield three was absolutely brilliant. Um, and really, we saw, uh, I think, the Italian grow another level with Arsenal and certainly a greater level of appreciation from fans as well, which was really good to see. Uh, Mohamed Elneny has started training outside. He posted on Instagram that he's now running and working outside after that serious knee injury that he suffered that he had to have surgery on. So uh, hopefully we see El Elneny back very soon. He should be with the team ready for pre-season yeah, I don't expect him to play too many minutes next year, but having him as an option, having him as a depth, having him in the squad, in and around the team is is always key. I often see El any after the games, walking through the mix zones at the Emirates, uh, looking always happy, focused and... Uh, Certainly, a big part of the team we know. So, yeah, good to see El any back outside. Uh, it's good to have a player available than not. I like to look at it that way. Now, according to John Cross at the Mirror, uh, Bayer Leverkusen are very keen on trying to sign Granite Xhaka in the summer. asked them, do I have the option to extend Xhaka's contract further? It is set to run out, to my understanding, in 2024 after that last extension that took him to 2024. But there is an option for Arsenal to extend it further if they want to. Um, I'm hoping that Arsenal still keep hold of Granit Xhaka. I don't buy into this whole rhetoric of replacing Xhaka. For me, we need to upgrade on Xhaka, not replace Xhaka. Um, I think that that's the way forwards for this club, is you keep your best players and you bring in players to reinforce the existing quality that you have. I think before, you know, we lingered too long uh, on the idea of replacing players in the team. And no, you, you keep your best players and you reinforce them with competitive options that are arguably an upgrade on them so that you've got an even better squad for next season. But by Leverkusen said to be very interested in our midfielder. Moving further away uh, and on to incomings, Arsenal, according to media in France, are said to have an interest in Montpellier's forward Elia Wahi. Now, I don't know much about the player. All I know is that uh, we've been linked with him previously. We were linked with him around the January transfer window. He's had an excellent season for Montpellier. He's only 20 years of age. 17 goals so far this season. He can play both through the middle and on the right-hand side. Uh, he's got five assists in on top of those 17 goals. The, the problem I have with, with this deal in particular is say the point in signing Wahi when you've got like Balogun who has scored more goals than than Wahi has in in France and I guess the only way to make that make sense is that Balogun is keen on on leaving and keen on moving on and being a starting option now if Wahi is, is more interested in signing for Arsenal and being a competitive option and making that step up to that club that's I guess how it makes sense and perhaps that's how you Um, create the logic around why we would sign him and let go of Balogun, for instance. But uh, he is a very talented player and certainly one that's on the radars of a lot of top clubs uh, across not only in France and England, but across the continent as well. So he's certainly one to keep an eye on. Now, West Ham are said to be looking, according to Sky Sports, for around £120 from a Champions League club to allow Declan Rice to leave in the summer. However, they would accept a lower figure if they can get a player in return. Uh, Whether Arsenal can offer a player they'd be interested in, if that's someone like Sambi Lekonga, I don't know. I doubt it. Um... I feel as though, and I have spoken about this with a couple of friends of mine, I feel as though this story in particular, it feels like a bit of a club-sided leak about a price tag, if it is indeed true. It's certainly not one, I think, that would come from the players' side of things. I feel like it's something that would come more so from the club side of things. They would leak a price tag. They want to try to drum up interest. They also want to try to set their post in the sand, if you will, around the figure that they would be looking to get. I've always maintained that I think Arsenal would be able to get rice for below that 100 million pound figure. I'm hopeful that that would still be the case. He's not going to be cheap. Don't get me wrong. But I would hope that Arsenal get somewhere between 70 to 80 million. That's what I'd be looking at. I would be a little bit reluctant to go above 80 million pounds to be honest for Declan Rice. Um if Arsenal ended up spending 100 billion and getting him of course I'm not necessarily going to complain too much because I think he's a brilliant player that would add a hell of a lot of quality into the Arsenal team but to pay upwards of of 70 to even 80 million pounds I just think is an extortionate amount especially considering the amount of time left remaining. On his contract, interestingly also reported by David Ornstein in the Athletic is that West Ham apparently are appreciative of former Arsenal midfielder Matteo Genduzzi as being Rice's replacement for next season. It does not seem that that would be the right player to to bring in neither at the level of quality nor even necessarily the right role in the sides, However, if that interest is indeed true, and there's very little to suggest that David Ornstein would not be accurate in reporting this story, uh, it would be interesting to see Matteo Ganduzzi, um come back to the Premier League. I think we can all agree that Arsenal have upgraded their midfield significantly and made the right decision in allowing Matteo Genduzzi to leave. Okay, let's go to part two and your questions right after this. Now, you can still get hold of our merchandise as well. Uh, Our TGT Caps helped raise around £1,500 last month for the Arsenal Visions fundraiser to go to the Arsenal Foundation. I'm very happy to also announce that across the first quarter that we uh, have been going for these hats, we've also raised over £500 for Cancer McMillan support as well. So thank you to everybody that has continued to support uh, the merchandise. We'll be making that donation today, and uh, I look forward to sending that in. Um, we've of course already donated that 1500 pounds straight to, uh, the Arsenal foundation, which is fantastic to see. Um, but, uh, yeah, very, very proud of everything that's happened here at the channel and what we've been able to do. And, uh, you can support yourselves not only a red gold or gray TGT cap, but the USA version as well that I've got, uh, on my head right now. So go to the TGT store and get yourself one of those and help some great causes. Non-profit, none of that money goes to me. It just goes to the local business that help embroider the hats for me. And, of course, the Arsenal Foundation and Kansman Millen Support get the help as well. Right. Let's go to the chat box then and uh, tackle some of your questions. Um, Pini Wien says, if we fall short by three points, is there a particular game or incident that you would point to very strongly that cost us the most? Yeah, I would. I don't think you could point to one game because three points would not be enough. Um, you know, if you're three points away from City, the likelihood is that they've also got goal difference. So it's kind of like three and a half points. So I think you have to kind of point to two games. I think we're obviously going to look to Southampton and West Ham as two games where we shouldn't have dropped points. You know, we could have gone three, one up if it was Saka that scored that penalty. We shouldn't have made the mistakes that we did in the Southampton game that led us to just kick off that match, basically a goal behind and then two behind. And uh, I, ha- I can't not talk about the Brentford game. You know the Brentford game, which ultimately we were robbed of three points because of a VAR mistake that will come back to haunt us. I look back at the VAR error against Manchester United that wrongly ruled out Gabriel Martinelli's goal that would have given us a one 0 lead there as well. I can't help but not look back at the Southampton away game. Uh, yeah, the away game where they should have had so many players. Booked and potentially sent off. And not only that, but Gabriel Jesus should have had a penalty as well. I also look at the Newcastle home game when Dan Byrne rightly should have been absolutely penalized for basically tearing Gabriel Magalias' shirt off inside the Newcastle box and wasn't. There's been a number of things that have gone against us. There's been mistakes that have happened in our control and mistakes that have happened outside of our control. And it's a real shame. I think the biggest thing that I point to and the incident that I point to, though, most of all, is William Saliba's injury. I feel as though if we'd had William Saliba in this team for the course of the whole season, then maybe we would have picked up a few more points. Um, that for me is the, the big, 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 big thing about this campaign that I will be so gutted about because just losing, no matter how, whatever backups you've got. Losing a player as good as Saliba is always going to cause a significant problem in your team. Uh, P, uh, we've all done that. Uh, Matt G says, Tom, uh, when we end up selling Nuno Tavares for 40 million, how silly will I feel? Hey, look, I'm not going to feel too silly because if anyone should feel silly, Matt, it's the team that pay 40 million pounds. <laughs> so, uh, I, whoever happens, I'll be the second silliest person in that situation. Uh, Rahil says, hey Tom, who would you uh, take if we didn't get Musa Diaby and you went for a cheaper option? Zaha, Pulisic, Ziyech or Asensio? Um, well, I mean, Diaby obviously is someone who plays on the right and left, but he plays more so, I think, now on the right. Zaha, Pulisic uh, are more left-sided players. Ziyech and Asensio are right-sided players. I think I'd choose Asensio um, of the four. A, because I'm biased, because I love the guy, uh, and B, because I think Pulisic and Ziyech We've seen what they're about in the Premier League, and I'm not sure they're of the level required. Zaha, I would only go to if indeed it was like the last option because he's a free, so it makes sense. But his age profile is wrong for me. And Asensio, there's there's something about Asensio that I think if you're able to revive the quality of player that he is, you've got a hell of a talent there still. Um, Hasn't been able to necessarily revived that after the serious knee injury picked up. But he's managed to stay fit, just not get into that team over the likes of Rodrigo um, Valverde. He's got some significant players ahead of him, to be fair, in that Real Madrid squad. So uh, I would still be interested in seeing what Asensio could do in the Premier League. I could somehow see him at Liverpool, for me. Um, I think that's where I think he'll end up one day. Um, maybe Newcastle, who knows? Uh, Girish says, Tom, if Southampton go down, would you be keen to loot them of any of their uh, key players? Liv who, of course, we barely sinned. Because he had that serious knee injury. How much has he even played? Livramento, Let's have a quick look. How much has he played this season? Has he played played no games so far? When was the PL2 game that he played? Uh, he played it on the 14th of April and didn't play against the next game. Has not been involved at all all year. It's very difficult to know how he might come back, Livramento, but... Arsenal were very keen on him prior to that injury that he suffered. So what a terrible, terrible uh, fate has befallen him, unfortunately. Lavia, definitely, though. Lavia is someone I'm very, very keen to see arrive at Arsenal. Uh, Lynn says, wouldn't you be a little wary of buying a player who is playing in an average team? And like Grealish, could he struggle? Because he isn't such a standout player at a bigger club. I think Grealish, obviously, this season has had a much improved campaign based upon what he provided last season. But I absolutely have empathy for your point of view, Lynn, on this. And yes, I am wary of that. That's why I'm a bit wary of Ivan Tony, for instance, because I think he stars in that Brentford team. I don't know how well it would transition if he was to move to an Arsenal or to a Chelsea or you know somewhere where he's not going to be the star man anymore. Monk stars, if you will. Sometimes you, I think it's easy to go, well, if he's doing it at Brentford, imagine what he could do at Arsenal. But in reality... That doesn't necessarily happen. You think about Danny Ings, you think about Ricky Lambert, you know, when he moved to Liverpool, you don't necessarily see that immediate improvement that you thought you would just because they're playing in a better team. The whole better team argument doesn't always work for players um uh, vincent says good morning tom 120 million could get us dusan vlaovic and kai Seda. i don't think it would mate um the midfield right back cover not just one player center back diaby 200 million budget strength in the core again that's what I, I, I wouldn't go to 120 million for rice i think you could go and get kai Sado for less than 120 million probably around the 70 to 80 million pound figure that we've discussed before um and go and you get yourself something else too like Rice for 120 or Caicedo for 80. I'm getting Caicedo over the two. You know, I think I'd invest that 40 million extra into somebody else that could really strengthen the midfield or the forward line or the defence. You know, I think that's what I would do with that type of money. It's, it's just not for me. Um, a lot of people suggesting what games they look to. Lynn says Brentford and Man United. Mark says Brentford and Southampton. Runs with says that one point from from the Southampton games, two points across both games. Very, very frustrating. Uh, usual says should have would have could have uh, and that's what i've been saying for a long time usual suspect you're absolutely right you can't necessarily look back and go we should have done this i did a big thread yesterday and a big i got into a lot of debates on twitter yesterday about Jakob Kivior's inclusion you know and i think that usual suspect is absolutely right in this you can't go back on the shoulda woulda coulda stuff you know because at the end of the day we are in control of our own destiny to to the most degree and I don't look back and go, well, Kivior should have been brought in earlier. I just I just don't look at it that way. I've written a piece about it this morning. You can read all my thoughts on that, so I'm not going to repeat them here. If you want to hear my thoughts on that one, you can read it on Football London with that piece that came out. In the AM, Kurt um, says, Tony is class. Stop at it, Tom. It's just not for me, mate. It's just Tony's not for me. Um, outside of football, those issues I'm not keen on. Um, not only just the allegations of the betting, but the... The attitude as well, I have an issue with. And I just don't think the age profile is is what Arsenal should be looking to go for with Tony. He's just not it's just not my my bag, I'm afraid. So uh yes. Uh Mickey says, Tom, what do you think of uh Zubamendi? Uh, Arsenal seems keen. Would he be a better option to Kaiseido? Um, he's a very different player to Kaiseido, he's much more kind of your number six um sit-in sweep the back four cover the back four Kaissero a lot more expressive uh, also what do you think of Orkan Kokchu as an eight beside Odegaard or Sutelo as a centre-back don't know much about Sutelo apparently we've got an interest I don't know that myself but that's what's been reported don't know much about him at all um, Orkan Kokutu has been a player that's been linked with a, Arsenal for a while You know, at least three-ish years has been linked and has continued to, to remain with Feyenoord so is this the time where he makes the move is the time he makes that step up from the Eredivisie not sure is he good enough for Arsenal? I think there are better options out there, to be honest. Um, Georgios says, just read this morning that Spurs might not sign Dejan Kulusevski if they miss out on top four. He is a huge Arsenal fan. Would you use him as com- competition for Saka? I would be interested in signing Dejan Kulusevski. I think he has shown at Spurs in what is, let's be real, a limited team, a restricted team what he's capable of. Has he had the best season this year? No. Have Spurs had the best season this year? No. I think that's a big part of it. Um, I think we saw last season what he's capable of when he signed for that six-month uh, loan period. Uh, well, I suppose it was an 18-month loan period in January. Thought he was very good. Maybe he's someone that could come in and provide some good competition for Saka. I never used to really rate the guy. He's changed my opinion on him and certainly improved in my mind as well. Um, knowledge says, Kivio was ready to come in and start earlier. I just... Just for me, no. Um, I'm I, oh, sorry, he corrects himself. Wasn't ready to come in earlier and start. I mean, all we need to do is look at, um, just look at the game against Sporting, look at the substitute appearance against Liverpool. You know, I don't blame Arteta for not bringing him in earlier. You know, for me, when you look at the West Ham game, you look at the Southampton game was the bigger reason that we dropped points because Saka didn't score his penalty and because Ramsdale made that pass out at the start or was it the presence of Rob Holding in those two in those two games for me it's it's much more weighted towards the the missed penalty if Saka scores that penalty i think we win that game we're not talking about holding at all i think if we don't make that mistake at the start of the game against southampton we don't go 2-0 down we probably go on to win that game so i don't look at the presence of holding um as the you know, as, as the main key contributor to dropped points against Southampton and West Ham over those two key moments in those games. Uh Pennywin says, shoulda, woulda, coulda. The like button. Yes. Just make sure you press that like button. And thank you for the donation, mate. Much appreciate it. Um, let's go to um let's go to Kurtz. As people forget uh holding was solid when he first came in. And when was the last time we were 2-0 up at Anfield? Yeah, I know. And I think also that, you know, we we were 3-1 up. We would have gone 3-1 up against West Ham. And we were 3-1 up against both Leeds and Crystal Palace and went on to win that game 4-1 in both instances with holding in the team. I would have backed us to go on and win that game by even more if we'd have gone 3-1 up against West Ham. I think it's really easy to just kind of point the finger at Arteta and say, should have brought in Kivior sooner, should have not persisted with holding for as long as we did. Look, could we have been better with Kivior in there based upon the last two games? You'd be an idiot to say that... There's not a chance that we may have been better if Kivior was playing instead of Holding. But to point the finger, you know, at Arteta for not bringing him in earlier, I just think is is very harsh considering what we'd seen from Kivior so far, and especially considering the moments in the games that Holding was involved in that we dropped points in. And when did did you say you throw him in? You throw him in against Southampton? I mean, as I said before, if I don't think Holding's behind why we drop points at uh, West Ham, you look at the goals that we conceded, they don't come from uh, an influence of, of holding, in my opinion, that's great enough to point the finger towards him. And you look at the game against Southampton, again, I don't look at holding. I, I just can't point the finger there. You know, we had the chances, we made the mistakes, and uh, I don't think necessarily Kivior changes things so dramatically that you then point the finger at Arteta for not starting him sooner um let's go to philip says is it time to rest zinchenko and saka i don't want to say that they have been poor but definitely think their high stands have dropped over the last few games i really find the saka one a bit strange saka in the last two games i've really liked his performance and i think that there's almost like this whole thing of if he doesn't score or doesn't get an assist he doesn't stand out enough for people I think against Chelsea, he was really dangerous, lightning quick, always a threat in behind. I think against Newcastle, he was a great outlet. Should have scored. You know, the one-on-one opportunity he had, absolutely should have scored. But for me, like, you can't, you can't ignore the what Saka brings to the side. He doesn't look tired anymore. Zinchenko, on the other hand, you know, there are question marks for sure, you know, about defensively what Zinchenko is. But also, look at the Chelsea game look at the Newcastle game, look at the way in which we created chances, and look at the amount of times Zinchenko is involved in the build-up when we go to create those chances. Take Zinchenko away, and you don't have that same influence. Tini can do some great stuff going forwards, but he doesn't do what Zinchenko does. And I do think there is so much, kind of I think there isn't a hyperbole, if you like, of criticism towards Zinchenko. Sure, not defensively. That is always going to be the trade-off with Zinchenko. You're going to get Near world class levels of progression and influence in your forward line with Zinchenko and the team, but you're going to get some deficiencies and vulnerabilities defensively. I think the trade-off is worth it. I think it's worth having Zinchenko in. I think it's. I think one of the reasons why we beat Newcastle because of the presence of Zinchenko was there. So it's very, very difficult. Uh, very difficult indeed. Um, Samia says, Tom, who can be our Akanji next season? Played center back, right back, pushed to handle Saka as a left back when Ake was injured, did everything immaculately. Who are the players that we can target? Well, I mean, Tommy Asu for me, Samia, is an existing presence that can already do that. We just need him to stay fit. That's the key thing. You know, we need him to stay as fit as possible. Um, having been recommended to me, I can't remember who it was that recommended it to me, but certainly is worth the uh. Uh, credit if I could remember their name. But Gertrude, uh the uh, Nords defender, is certainly someone that I've been after watching a few of his matches now and looking back over some individual moments through Scout as a player that's definitely impressed me. I'm always kind of wary at the end of seasons because what happens is you get kind of team of the season for different leagues come out. And then obviously that kind of brings names into the focus of different people that they didn't previously have and they're basing it off of that fact. But looking back, there's a good reason why Gestruda was someone that um, was brought into that team of the season and has had a, a really, really good season uh, for Flying Order, and I think will probably get snapped up by somebody in the summer. Um, let's go to says The Bowen goal was Holding's fault. Gabriel called everyone forward. Tierney went up, but Holding did not move up. I'm pretty sure that White Mark was alongside Holding. Was he not in that moment? But he was. Holding was definitely slow to get up, but I'm pretty sure that White was next to him. But it's interesting how White isn't mentioned. Because holding's the easy target, isn't it? Like, it's not White and holding were too slow. It's just, just holding. Um, yeah, it's a shame. Uh, Amira says uh, we're all staying. Who could have been with Kivior because of holding? But what about Jorginho? He's given us control these past two games, and even off the ball, uh, even off the bench against West Ham when Partey has been off as well. Yeah, I think that's what I've seen a lot of is people kind of justifying Partey's poor form in relation to Holdings presence being there but you know i don't necessarily i think that's really unfair i think parte in possession has not been as good as given the ball away in too many in too many situations which never had an influence of of holding involved into it so you know if you've got if you're going to be critical you've got to be objective with it you know you can't not be objective the amount of times i've had like debates with people now where objective thought has just been abandoned completely because the argument, the debate, being right becomes far too important to people so that they start just ignoring facts. You know, how many times have we been sitting on this channel and sit, sitting here and I've held my hands up and going, you know what, guys, I was wrong. I was wrong about that. You know, I was wrong about Emmy Buendia. <laughs> very, very wrong. Uh, thankfully, I always wanted Martin Odegaard from the start, but it looked like he wasn't going to be able to be gettable that summer. So when we switched to uh, Emmy Buendia, I was on the Emmy Buendia train and I was very wrong about that. So you've got to be able to just be magnanimous enough to say, you know what, this person's made some good points and has changed my mind. And uh sometimes I don't think you can ever change someone's mind. I think you can only ever question them into a place where they change it for them. But when you ask questions that get predictable answers that just ignore facts, like that's when you know that a debate is probably not worth having. You know, that's uh let me I'm trying to give you an example. There was a conversation yesterday. Am I gonna call someone out by doing this? Probably. Um, What was the discussion I had yesterday? Um, So the discussion yesterday was uh, obviously around the Kivior situation. Uh, Matt on Twitter said, I think the team lacked confidence with holding. Those mistakes maybe don't happen if we bounce back better in those games without him there. I said, obviously, do you think we beat West Ham if Saka scores the penalty? And Matt says, not sure. But I don't think West Ham get two goals if we're able to play our game. To which I said, I don't think that's entirely the truth, considering that we went 3-1 up against both Leeds and Crystal Palace with holding in those teams and we won 4-1. To which the response was they're both at home against lesser opponents. And I'm like, I just can't. Like, there's only so much that you can talk about and discuss before you realize that it doesn't matter what you say. Nothing's kind of being nothing's, you know, nothing's being absorbed, nothing's being. Um, what's the word I'm looking for, registered so that's what I would say if you're ever having your your debates on social media, I think you have to recognise a point where you know the person you're debating with it doesn't matter what you say, they're ignoring all the facts of the situation (laughs) Um, and creating narrative or context that is skewed and bent towards what is not the reality of the situation James says when Partey plays, Xhaka plays higher, when Partey has sometimes to take risks, when Jorginho plays, Xhaka stays closer, making riskier passes less frequent. Um I'd be intrigued to know. I mean is there any evidence James to back that up do we have Xhaka's average positioning of the last two games when Jorginho started compared to um Partey I do remember of course that when Partey's played we played against some sides like Southampton uh sides like West Ham but I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. It seems like it, it just seems like something that would be said because you just think Jorginho being less athletic or less um, risky with his play. That means Xhaka is closer. But I think Xhaka was, has been still pretty far forwards. I mean, did he not get both assists for Erdogan against Chelsea when Jorginho was playing? So I don't necessarily think... Uh, James, uh, please do send me the average position. I'd love to see it. He says, average position shows it. Please send it to me. Uh, I would love to see it. Uh, try to send it to me before tomorrow morning show if you can. Uh, Knowledge says, I don't mind holding. He's not the greatest, but he's okay In a pinch. Look, no one, categorically, no one said that we need to upgrade our fourth-choice right centre-back. I didn't see a single person. I saw people saying that Kivior should come in. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say no one said Kivior should come in earlier because people did say that. But no one said that we should be getting a better fourth-choice right-sided centre-back ever. You know, everyone was saying we need to replace holding whenever. That's fine, you know. But we were doing that because we brought in White. And then we integrated Saliba and we brought Tommy Asu, you know, and then we created a situation where you've got three players who can all play and should play ahead of holding. But when you lose Saliba and Tommy Asu at exactly the same time, in exactly the same game, you know, that's going to create havoc so that you're going to have to unfortunately use your fourth choice option. And you're going to see a dip because guess what? He's not as good as Saliba. He's nowhere near as good as Saliba. So you're going to see a drop. And to that point, The only thing that we'd seen of Kivior was a substitute appearance against Liverpool that wasn't good, a substitute appearance against Crystal Palace that was okay, and a start against Sporting that was terrible. So it was very difficult to kind of justify bringing in Kivior into a position that he's played 230 minutes at, at Spezia, across five games, that doesn't give you an indication that necessarily it's going to be a success because I think Spezia won one of those games and didn't keep a clean sheet in any of them. So... I struggle with that. You know, I really struggle with that argument around the Kivu thing. Um, So Nicholas says, Tom, we should get a better fourth choice right centre back. There. Now you've seen someone say it. And I don't mind that you've said it now, Nicholas, because look, I'm all for moving on holding in the summer. This is not coming from someone that thinks holding should be here next season. You know, holding should be moved on. We should bring in another right sided centre back and add even better options to the defence. I'm not saying he should stay. All I'm saying is that no one was saying before this season or in January that we needed a better fourth choice right sided centre back. No one said it. So I'm not going to begrudge Mikel Arteta for making the decision to bring in our fourth choice centre back when one, two, three didn't work. And then after a few games, I think it was six. He's recognised that he's like he's got a team like Chelsea coming up. Oh, they're not very good. Maybe let's try something else just to see if it works. You know, we couldn't do that against City. And I think we could necessarily do that against Southampton. We didn't expect to see what happened at the start of that Southampton game happen, you know. So, yeah, for me, it's just not a fair argument to start pointing fingers at Mikel Arteta for the Kivior hindsight argument. It just doesn't stack up for me. Um At the same time, when I've said that, the amount of people that have responded on social media and said, we're worse with holding, we're better with Kivior. And I'm like, I've not said for one second that that's not the case. I've not said in anything that I don't think that Kivior has improved things. But as I did tweet yesterday, Twitter has unfortunately become about people inaccurately filling in the gaps of the things that you say, rather than asking questions to see what the gaps are actually filled by. Um, But that's social media in 2023, I guess. Um, Dale says, let's just all agree Holding cannot be on the team next season. and leave it at that. I think that's probably a great place to end that discussion. I don't think it will end the discussion, Dale, but I think that's the right place to all come to an agreement is that we need to replace him in the summer. It's as simple as that. Um, Lynn says, I'm not defending Holding. However, Rambo should be guiding Holding as to where he wants him to be. But you rarely see this with with Ramsdale. Look, I'm not going to be on the side of of criticizing Ramsdale at the moment. (laughs) I did enough of that on Sophie's show, to which he then, I didn't even criticize him. I just said that I think if we can get better, you know, who's to say that we shouldn't be ruthless and go and get a better player if one's available? You know, I'd never be against upgrading on anyone if you can find an upgrade. But let's be honest, Ramsdale's been blooming brilliant. Um, Let's go to uh Mickey says, as an entirely different striker option, which could be a very valuable plan B, considering Champions League next season, would you take a Hoyland over Vlaovic? It's not what other type of option would you go for? Um, Hoyland is obviously a very exciting young player coming through and playing a lot. Of, I say not coming through at Atalanta. He's kind of just been there this season. Has obviously moved from Austria, where he's done very well in Italy now. I would take him. I think he's a very exciting young forward that I would sign. Vlaovic, I think the ship has kind of sailed at this point. I also think there's plan B. I'm not sure that you could sign him and say to him, you're going to be the plan B for us next year. But I do, and I would like us to see someone a little bit more physical, a little bit more varied, um in what ultimately we can bring and see in the team that's that's what's key to me um let's go to uh wilson says do you think arteta should have started kivir early in previous game (laughs) why did i click on this question we've just discussed this wilson uh do rewind and uh we've got it all i'm hoping that you'll just try and take the mic (laughs) we've just we've just discussed it um Alex says, uh, we need someone like holding who obeys and stays on the bench, uh, and comes on when needed. Uh, I think ultimately bringing in someone that competes with Saliba is, that is, is what you do. You don't replace holding. You get rid of holding with the utmost of respect. You, you tell him to, as Sophie would say, you tell him to jog on and then, uh, you bring in someone that you think can compete with, with Saliba, like, you know, bringing in someone like a Mark Gahey, for instance, from, from Crystal Palace, bringing a competitive option that means that the level does not drop when Saliba is not there or you when you're going to rotate. You know, that's that's what we need to do. Um Let's, uh, Nicholas says, can we stop and just laugh at the goal that De Gea let in over the weekend? Always. It's brilliant. It's hilarious. I watched it in a, where was I? I was still in the press lounge actually after the game when it happened. And I finished watching the West Ham game in a pub in Newcastle where I was finishing off some work. And it was great. You know, it it was fantastic. West Ham, by the way, have turned things around from there. They were really were in a bit of danger, but they've had some really good results. It's a shame that I don't think they weren't able to use their full strength team against City you got a bit fortunate there, I think, with the illness, unfortunately, that hit West Ham. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a shame and not one that we can linger on, I don't think. cash um, says, should we be moving on from Partey? Is he one that should be sold this summer? I, again, I don't, I don't subscribe to this, you know, based on what we've seen on the pitch. Thomas Partey has been one of the most important players that we've had during this season. And if we can find somebody better than Partey, A, that's going to cost you a hell of a lot of money. And B, why should we then be in the same position that we was when we had Partey? In the sense that if you replace Partey, you sell him and you bring a Rice or a Caicedo in. If Caicedo or Rice gets injured, you're in the exact same position because you've not strengthened. You've just replaced. People need to stop using the word replace and start using the word reinforce instead, because it's just like the whole backup competitor thing. Stop using the word backup. Start using the word competitor. You know, don't replace. Reinforce. That's how you build a strong uh, squad with a lot of strength in depth. That's how it works. You don't replace. You reinforce. That's kind of how you do it. Um, Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. I'm going to end things there. Uh, I'll be live on the Arsenal Way. Uh, I know I've been saying that a while and it's not happened, but today we should be, I'm nearly certain to say, we will be live on the Arsenal way in just over an hour and 15 minutes time. So do join us over there um, in in that amount of time. Drop a like here. Really appreciate your time as always. Um, Really appreciate everything that you do in terms of turning up, in terms of dropping in. There's over 700 of you watching this morning, which is great. You know, I know we've had a bit of a quiet spell. Um, with it being kind of a bit hectic and the form not being as good. But I know that when we ramp up to the transfer window, I know a lot of people return to the channel, which is always great to see. And we welcome you back with open arms. So thank you so much for doing so. Um, We'll be back to over 1,000 listeners on the morning show, I'm sure, very soon. Um, But thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Do drop a like on the video. uh, Do subscribe if you're new. And as always, up the Arsenal.